today and welcome to another great message from Mr. Christian Outreach Church. We pray you'll be inspired and equipped by this teaching. For more information on Noosa Christian Outreach Church, please check out our website at noosacoc.org.au. Enjoy. Why don't you turn your Bibles to Zechariah chapter 8. It's the second last book in the Old Testament before Malachi or Malachi, as I like to call it. And uh, You know, the sign, on the, the sign at the front of the church says, Loving God and Loving People. This is the hope and the heart of this church. And, uh, you know, where are we at in that journey of loving God, loving people? We're, we're somewhere in it. We're not, you know, we're not terrible at it. We're not amazing at it, and uh, but we're right in the middle of it. And God's shaping us and growing us in our ability to love Him and to love each other. And uh, I just want to share with you a bit this morning along those lines, but because you know, the start of it, loving loving God, it's it's basically just a life of worship. In Hebrews twelve. 28, it says, Let us have grace by which we may serve God acceptably with reverence and godly fear, for our God is a consuming fire. You know, we love Him with our reverence, with our attentiveness, having, having Him being in our purpose for life. And, uh, you know, it also says in 1 Corinthians 6, it says, For you were bought with a price. Therefore glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which belong to God. What an amazing God. Hey, if our, our call is to love God and our call also, which we want to expand on this morning, is to love people. And the elders of this church, uh, you know, they predominantly are all about building a community. And uh, we, you know, we, we sometimes think that we're building a church, but we're not. Jesus says, I will build my church. What we're building is a, is a community of believers who are learning to love each other and sharpen each other and challenge each other. But sometimes we get distracted by trying to do God's job for him which is building his church. I don't know about you, but I think sometimes we spend too much time trying to make God cool and not enough time just surrendering to the greatness of God. You know, sometimes we go, oh, I, I, need to, I need to go to this church or that church or hang around those people or these people because they make God sound cool. Do you think the creator of the universe needs us to make him look cool? Hey, you know, I, I, I repent of that. Because, you know, we've been there, haven't we? You know, we've, we've walked in the journey of, of trying to create spaces that make God look good. In reality, it's, it's in our worship and in our life and in our love for him and in our love for each other that doesn't make God look cool, but that makes his greatness visible through us. It's a whole different game, isn't it? And, and I just want to encourage you this morning as we unpack this, you know, that as we, as we, instead, of, you know, instead of looking at how, what we can do to make God attractive is that we can just walk in the love of God and become the love of God everywhere we go. You know, he becomes visible through us. It's not about making God cool. It's about him being seen in our lives. So Zechariah, what does it look like? What does this community look like? Turn your Bibles to Zechariah chapter 8, as we said. And let me read to you this morning. Again, the word of the Lord of hosts came saying, Thus thus says the Lord of hosts, I am zealous for Zion with great zeal, which means he cares. With great fervor, I am zealous for her. 
He's involved. Thus says the Lord, I will return to Zion and dwell in the midst of Jerusalem. Jerusalem shall be called the city of truth, the mountain of the Lord of hosts, the holy mountain. And here it is. This is for us for today. Verse 4. Thus says the Lord of hosts, old men and old women shall again sit in the streets of Jerusalem, each one walking with staff in hand because of great age. They will sit on benches on the streets and spin tails, move around safely with their canes, a good city to grow old in. The streets of the city, verse 5, shall be full of boys and girls playing. Boys and girls will fill public parks laughing and playing. A good city to grow up in. Can you picture it? Can you picture this space that God's talking about? You know, the, the children of Israel were so, you know, they were, they were so far from, from Jerusalem. They were so far caught up in, in, the, in the domination of the rest of the world. And, you know, God was speaking to this future place. He was speaking to the church. He was speaking to us saying that this is what I'm looking for. This is what I'm coming back for. I want to see a space. I want to see a community where, the, where the, it's a safe place to grow old in. It's a safe place to grow up in. And we, we, we create this in Jesus' name so that people can live free and, and be inspired. I don't know about you, but I love sitting out in the cafe and watching the kids run around doing crazy things with no thought of any fear, no thought of anything that could happen, not worrying about anyone you know, who's, who's, who could cause them trouble, just, just actually just stretching the boundaries of their own abilities and just, and just hanging out with their friends and doing these screens. And I love sitting down at tables you know, with the oldies. I don't know, I don't know um, who I can mention without being offensive to old people, but um, you know, uh, I love chatting to the great Val Smart, who's only young, he's only in his 80s, and he, you know, he tells me stories of the old political days in Leichhardt in Sydney and just stirs, you know, you, if you haven't had a chat with this guy about those days, well, it'll, it'll stir you up. And there's stories that will make the back of your hair stand on end about some of the things that happen in their lives. Hey, you know, and you, you talk to Ian Wallace about his old days. You know, you want to talk about banking? You know, we're, we're him and I are on a, a board of a school and he tells me these, these great stories about, you know, back in the day, when you, you played golf with your bank manager and you, you know, and, you, and you shook hands over loans and you did great things. And, and you know, you talk to Warren Evans about, you know, about his surfing history. You know, he started surfing before wetsuits existed on, in Melbourne and they used to surf with their football jumpers on, you know, and, and he's been in real estate for 30 years in Noosa. You know, no one has been in real estate for 30 years. There's not someone with that much integrity on the planet except for Warren. Isn't it amazing? You talk to Mr. and Mrs. Fuller about, you know, who have been faithful in this church for, for decade upon decade upon decade. And before that, they were missionaries in PNG and they can tell you amazing stories about those days. A safe place. What does it mean? You know, I love that. I love that, that concept of, you know, they will sit on benches and on the streets and they will spin tails and they will move around safely with their canes. Hands up if you've got a cane. Yes, there's one. A good city to grow old in. I don't know about you, but I want to be part of this space. I want to be part of a platform that creates this space. Notice how it talks about, talks about a safe place to grow old in, a safe place to, to grow up in. It doesn't really talk about that gap in between, doesn't it? 
And I want to encourage you this morning that the responsibility for those in between is the responsibility to create that space, is to honour the joy and the love and the passion and the excitement and the zeal of those growing up and to create a space that the wisdom and the stories and the inspiration of those who have gone before us can actually have to, can be heard. If you're looking for a table to sit at today, you know, Val Smart's going to sit down. There's going to be 20 people around his table this morning who want to hear the great stories. You've got to look for it. You've got to not look for your peers. You've got to look for wisdom. You've got to not look for, for someone who's passionate in your, in your own age group. You've got to look at the children and say, wow, look at that energy in those kids. I can draw from maybe I can still, still find some, some energy in, in, in my life. You know, you've got to go out and play basketball with the kids. You've got to go from kick the footy after church with the kids and, and find out, you know, that, that there is still life in them. There are bones. This is what God cares about. And being part of this community, being part of the community is worth much more than it costs. But there is a cost to it. You see, the worst in the fact that your dreams, your visions, even our differences get to be tabled here. Hey, it's, as it's in those conversations, it's as we serve alongside one another, it's those things get tabled. And as they get tabled, they get shaped. We get shaped. We get developed. You know, we, we, get, we get refined and all of us are blessed. As you bring your personality, as you bring your vision, your dream, your differences to the table, and as we, as we discuss them, as we join together on them, you know, not only, not only are, are you and them refined, but the whole church is blessed. We, we, I'm running a Speak Up course at the moment, and, and uh, this, week, you know, we, this week we had, I think there were 11 um, different messages, and... Uh, you know, 11 three-minute messages and every one of them blessed me. And I think, man, there is the, the substance in this community never ends. The substance in you is more than you realise. And I, and I just want to encourage you that, you know, it, it takes, a, you know, a moment of courage to commit to something like a speaking course, you know, where, where your ideas and your heart gets tabled. And let me tell you, everyone in that room on Tuesday night was blessed by what everyone else said. Everyone in this place will be blessed when you bring your heart to the table and submit it. The Bible says, submit to one another. How? In love. And as we do that, we grow strong and we grow rich and we, and we create a safe place to grow up in and a safe place to grow old in. And not only that, we show to the community what the love of God looks like. I love the old creed. I spoke, to, I, I spoke a message a, a month or so ago about I believe in God. And this morning I want to take it a little bit further down the old creed that says I believe in the communion of saints. What does that mean? What is the communion of saints? You know, I think when, it, when the creed talks about that, there's not a family, a nation, a group alive that, that doesn't, understand, doesn't understand the meaning of that bond. We all have these common unions with a bunch of people. My, my mother's side of my family are Italian, so, and they came across, and they're all, they're all planted over in uh, Fremantle in WA. And, uh, you know, they, they came over on the oil slick, as my uh, uncle used to tell us from in the 50s with all the other Italians. And, and they created a community over there. You know, and there's, and there's market gardens and concreters, and, you know, they, they came, they saw, they concreted, and they... And, <laughs> 
And, you know, they, they came to Australia and, and communities combined. The Italians were all back home eating pasta and watching the soccer. But over here they came over and the, the Italians came together, ate pasta and they watched the football, the, 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 the Australian rules football. And, uh, you know, there was a, there's, an amazing, there's an amazing community there. You know, and, and, you know, Kristen and I, you know, I was born in, my family was born in Italy. I was born in Perth. You know, we moved to Esperance and now we've come over to Noosa. And all of those things combined together. Hey, those, those pieces of our history combined together. And cre- we create this communion of people that gather together. So when you think of the communion of the saints... It's the same thing. It's people all over the world throughout history who have come together and celebrate, you know, these, these, the life and the, and the, and the traditions and the, and the things that draw us together. You know, we meet in church. It looks a little bit like this. We sing four songs. We take communion. We hear a message. We pray for each other and we go out and we have a, and, and we have a meal together and interact and we go to a small group. And these are, this has been shaped. The Bible didn't give us that method. It's just shaped because that's the way that probably works for the, the majority of our lives but here's the thing the creed is talking about much more than family about a lot more than our ethnic or our, or, or origins you know it's, it's it's about this long lasting gratitude and this long standing model of life that we live i want to suggest to you today that this communion of saints this community of believers it's central to our love for god and our ability to love people so what makes, what makes us a community? What makes us the community of saints? I want to suggest to you this morning there's some seen things and there's some unseen things. And the seen, you know, they're, they're our symbols, they're our traditions, the things, that, the things that we do together. Once we make a decision um, as, for Christ as our saviour, what do we do as a community? We get baptised. It's, it's interesting, you cannot baptise yourself. Go and try that this afternoon. Try and baptise yourself. It's impossible. It's a community act. We take communion together. We take the Lord's Supper. You know, the the Bible says when you gather, when you meet, this is what you do. We take the Lord's Supper because it's our common union. It reminds us that the source of who we are, the source of our identity is Christ dying on the cross, the sacrifice that God made for us. You know, the symbols of our faith are things like our our baptism. They're things like like the, the... the, the Lord's Supper and then, and then the gathering. Do not forsake the gathering of the saints. There's not too many things, there's not too many symbols that the Bible asks of us, but the three of them to gather, to, to take communion and to be baptized, you know, they're, they're the three that actually are the seen things that draw us together. Outside of those things, we get to, we get to shape and change them. And what happens, you know, when people talk to me about the church, they say, oh, why do you do that in the church? Why does music look like this? Why do small groups look like that? Why have we got this and why have we got that? Do you know what the shape of the church is? The shape of the church, the shape of this community is the contribution of the saints. The music sounds like the bunch of people who join the music team. The food tastes like whatever the chef likes cooking. Unfortunately, it's a mix of Greek and Italian today, but that's okay. This is how we work. You know, the, 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 the colours of the chairs, you know, are based on someone who bought the chairs 30 years ago. You know, the, 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 um, the beautiful uh, lights on the stage are because, you know, someone decided that looked amazing. What makes the community the community is the contribution of the people who participate in the community. 
But what makes us a communion of the saints are none of those things. You know, there's some seen things. There's the symbols that Christ asked us to keep as symbols, the symbols of baptism, the symbols of gathering, the symbols of, of the Lord's Supper. And then there's the unseen. The unseen is that we are united in our love for people. Now, love is unseen until it becomes an action, isn't it? A love for the people, not just in this room. The communion of saints does, for us doesn't just live in this room. The communion of saints goes from beginning to end. We are in communion with the Apostle Paul. We're also in communion for the great evangelist of 2050 who hasn't been born yet. You see, when you understand that the communion of the saints is not about this generation, it's not the worldwide church of today, it includes those things, but it includes all of those who have gone before us, all of those who are present right now, and all of those who, who will come after us. We're not just limited to those in our lives now, but throughout history and, through and into the future. This is the communion of saints. A family tree of all those who have established the platform of faith that we get to walk in today. People have lived the faith. I love, you know, I love reading the biographies of those who have gone before us. There's people who have lived lives of faith all the way to the end. Hey, and you get to see the, the struggles, you get to see the decisions, you get to see the hopes, the ideas, and you get to see them outworked in someone's life all the way through to the end. And we're with that. We don't, you know, we all trek on together. We all trek on together, but separate. You know, we're, I, I like to imagine myself walking with the Apostle Paul, John Wesley, hey, Fanny Crosby, 8,000 hymns later, still glorifying God. Thomas Aquinas, Thomas Akempis, Thomas, all the Thomases. Mother Teresa. What about Ruth? Imagine walking alongside Ruth. What about Mordecai and Esther? What about Daniel? Now these guys, these guys are amazing. What about Peter? Hey? Imagine walking with Peter. He's, he, was, he was a crazy character, wasn't he? You know, he was, he, he, was, he was flying off the walls all the time, you know, and then he became this man of substance. He's the one darting all over the place and making declarations here and there. And I go, imagine, you know, you walk alongside people and you go, man, imagine if we got to walk with these guys. These are part of the communion of saints. These are guys who have laid their lives down for us. And you are people who are laying your life down right now for those who are to come. You are a link in a chain. You are part of the communion of saints, the community of believers. You know, the, the, and you know, we might have this patch here that we are responsible for and that we are part of loving, you know, but, but we are part of something bigger and, and the things that we create today are not just about this bunch of people, they're about those who are to come. You see, belief in the communion of saints is actually a call to living out the life of Christ. Living out the life of Christ in us like so many who have gone before us. Christ in you is the hope of glory. We're committed to the path of God's will in us and through our lives. That's what being part of it is. And we are bound. We're bound to those who have modelled it and shown it to us, who have gone before us. Here's the battle, though. We, we live in a world that is driven by impulse. We live in a world that's, that's, that's given community values, communal values, away to impulses. 
And uh, it's, it's the challenge that, you know, the challenge of our private impulse, you know, shifting to personal priorities instead of community values. You know, when I think of that police officer, I go, you know, the extreme of selfishness was seen at that day. The extreme of selfishness was seen at that day. I just want, I, I, I ask of myself, you know, where have I, where have I invested too much in self and not enough in the things of God? You see, there's a restraint. You know, when we fear the Lord, there is a blessed restraint attached to that fear of the Lord. Hey, the Bible taught we don't like fearing the Lord. We don't even like using those words, but there's a restraint. When the, when the Lord is in the house, let me tell you, we will be trembling. When the Lord is in your house, we will understand what worship is. We will fall on our face before him. He is worthy of all our praise. And let me tell you, if he's in this room, if, we, if, he, if he arrives in this room visibly, you know, we will be overwhelmed by his magnificence. We will fall on our faces. And he's asking us now to do that voluntarily. Because when he's, when he's, when he's physically present here, it will be involuntary. Even the rocks will cry out, he says, if you don't. But he's asking us now, will you be the communion of the saints? Will you cry out my name? Will you declare my name? Will, you, know, what, you know, what a beautiful name it is. You know, I mean, that last song, what a magnificent, what magnificent words this morning. You see, it's in the communion of saints. It's in the community of believers. It's in that part of our faith that all the unseen parts take on meaning. You know, we've got this part of our, of, our, um, of our world now where we say, what, what are, my sin is not hurting anyone else. The things that, you know, my decisions, they're not having any impact on anyone else. There's this notion of, of this idea of private sin. But in reality, is there anything that we can do that doesn't carry with it some sort of public dimension? I know if I've got a bad attitude because of something in my home, it's going to flow on to my attitude in public. Hey, if, I, if, I, if I'm struggling with things in my own life um, in, when, I, when I'm by myself, it has a public dimension to it. it I, cannot, you know, I cannot participate with love. I cannot bring joy to your world. I cannot love you with the love of God when, you know, when, when, I, when I am on my own. So it becomes, when, it becomes visible when I'm in public. And you know, the, you know the story of the firecracker you know, if you've, got a, if you've got a little piece of fireworks and you put it on your hand and you set it off, it burns your hand. You close your fingers around that same piece of fireworks and you set it off and it'll blow your hand to pieces. You see, this is why we live in community. See, things in the open still sting, but they only sting a little bit. But when we, we, we do things on our own and in silence, you know, it actually destroys life. He says, being in community is risky. It requires vulnerable. It requires courage. But let me tell you, the, 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 the fruit of community, the fruit of this space, the fruit of you barging into someone else's table and finding out about their lives, the fruit of these things means that the, the challenges in your life will sting a little bit, but they won't destroy you. Communion, baptism, gathering, these are social acts. These are social acts. Why do we sing all the same words all at the same time? Why don't we all just have our own private worship when we come together? Why? Because we want to declare the same thing at the same time. We want as a body 
to worship the King of all kings. We want to come together. We, we sing those words that are on the screen. We sing those things that, and it's, what, it's, it's not so much about my personal worship. It's about I'm standing in declaration with the community of saints, blessing the King of all kings, saying the same thing at the same time as my brother who's sitting on the other side of the church who I haven't even met. They're not meant to be done alone. The effects of grace and sin are always shared. When you receive the grace of God, it blesses those around you. When you, when you are crushed by sin, it disrupts those around you. We, don't, we cannot escape sin. We cannot escape grace. Those things are intertwining through our lives as we walk the life of a believer. So let's do it together. There is no privacy. And I often hear the words, I don't need to go to church to be a believer. That's absolutely true. Absolutely true. Here's this. The community of believers is not so much a definer of your identity, but a refiner of your character. You see, you can know and love God by yourself. But it's as you come together in community that you are refined in your character, that you are stretched, you know, and, and that your ideas, you know, as your ideas are tabled, they get refined and stretched. You know, do you know an idea has character? And you, the ideas that you have need to be refined and stretched. They need to be talked about. They need to be discussed. They need to be prayed about. They need wisdom attached to them. You know, and as they do, ideas get refined. Dreams get refined. Visions get empowered. All this is a preparation for your life's adventure. See, what we must realise is that what's needed for our vision or our dream or our hopes or the desires in our heart is not a better strategy. What's needed is a better relationship with God and with our neighbour. See, the strategies are available. Information is available. You can come, you know, this part of our church service, what you're listening to now, this is, this is strategic talk. You know, this isn't what is going to change your life. What's going to change your life, what's going to empower you in your dreams and in your visions is your relationship with God and your relationship with each other. That's what's going to empower you, your ability to... Why, why does your relationship with God empower you? Because it increases your ability to hear what he's saying. Why does your relationship with each other help you with your vision and your dream? Because, you know, it's, it's as we come together, it's in the unity. Our job is to maintain the unity of the Spirit and, in, and unified the blessing of God can flow through us. So this responsibility to be a platform, to have a platform type of faith for the next generation, that belongs to us right now. What you are right now, you might think of yourself as a bunch of people on mission, great. But part of your mission is to become a platform for the next generation's mission. So when you make a decision, you're not only defining your mission, you're defining how the next generation's mission is going to be decided. Does that make sense? You see, every time I make a decision, if I'm not thinking about the next generation, then my, my mission is related to a moment. We are bound to one another. Each generation, a link in a chain. Hey, we cry. We, 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 have, you know, we, we, are, we are so linked to, to each other that as a generation passes, 
you know, we shed tears for those people. But we cry the most tears for those who have touched our lives. We cry for parents, for politicians, for police officers we've never met, public figures, people who've lived out what we believe are godly values. But we weep most for those whose faith has formed our faith. There's people in your life whose faith is forming your faith, who has formed your faith. And here's the thought. Here's the scary thought for each of us. Your faith is formation to someone else's faith. How much do you think about your life as a platform spiritually? This is the communion of the saints. You know, we are, we are a, a bunch of people that, that as we gather together, as we unite as, a, as generationally, as we think about what would the Apostle Paul do? What would Ruth have done right here? What would Esther have done? You know, what would Daniel do? Would he have stood, you know, for his, for his belief of prayer in the middle of it? Yes. You know, it gives us, and then you go, oh, what would, what would Robin Lenham do? What would Val Smart do when he's talking to, to a politician in, you know, on, the, on the cutting edge? Would he, would he step back or would he step into the fray and would he bring the wisdom of heaven to that space? Would he be encouraged? What would the people around me do? What would the people before me do? What do I hope the people after me will do? Are they, if people stand on my shoulders, what will they see? Where will they be looking? The Bible says, be holy as I am holy. So the faith that brings us together, the faith that brings us together as the communion of saints is a faith that can make us holy. Not the faith that we practice for our own benefit. The faith that brings us together is what can make us holy. Be holy for I am holy. You cannot just be holy. But as we gather, as we do the symbol, symbols, you know, we go, oh, look, let's, we're doing communion again. Yeah, I don't know about you, but I need as often as I can to be reminded of the great sacrifice of our Lord Jesus Christ who laid his life down, who shed blood. I was so into it this morning, I took two pieces of bread. I didn't think I could get away with two cups. Do you feel guilty when you accidentally pick up two pieces of bread off the plate? So the communion of the saints rests in the symbols we share, in the lives that we live for the sake of the world, lives in those who have gone before us, and it lives in those to whom we ourselves owe the same in the time to come. This is the communion of saints. This is this community of believers that we are a part of. This is the hope that lives within us. This is, this is the call of God on our lives. You know, I, to say I believe means to say I want, the call, I, I want to live the life of Christ each and every day. See, we need a new sense of the believers who have gone before us, the believers who are around us and the ones who are yet to come. We need a new sense of who they are because people are going to look to us for proof that God is holy and that he is powerful. We need to get better at this thing called the communion of saints. We need to get better at it because there's a generation coming that's looking to us for hope. There's a generation coming that's looking to us for strength, for wisdom, for power, for authority. And we need to be able to 
point the finger in the right direction. The pendulum of community swings back and forth. And when it swings back to the mountain of the Lord, will we be there waiting for them with wisdom and hope, with insights and love for one another? The communion of the saints is the heritage we've received. It's the promise that we make to others. It's the strength for the journey. Why doesn't the band jump up? To say I believe in this, to say I believe in this communion of saints, it's to make a promise to be what that communion represents. It's to make a promise to say I will be a platform. I make a promise to, to strive to live a life that Christ would live. It's to stand in humanity and to, to seek healing in Jesus' name. It's to pray the prayer, your kingdom come on earth and is it in, as it is in heaven, and to say, use me to bring that kingdom, Lord. It's the presence of the Spirit of God seen in how you communicate. It's the willingness for you to sacrifice your life for someone else's life. It's submitting your heart to the hearts around you in love. Submit to one another in love is one of the most difficult things because in love you are sharpened. In love you are tested, but it doesn't feel like love. Hey, sometimes love doesn't feel like love. It feels like someone, someone tearing your skin off. It feels like someone, someone doing business with you, know, with you in a way that's negative, but it is, it is the way that God has created us. He said iron sharpens irons. He says gather. He says, you know, he says love one another. He says bless those who curse you. He says, you know, he says, he says love your enemy. Why don't you stand with me this morning? The communion of the saints rests in the symbols we share, rests in, in our decisions, in our gathering, in our baptisms, in, our, in, our, in the way that we take the Lord's Supper. It rests in the lives that we live for the sake of the world. It rests in the lives of those who have gone before us and in those whom we ourselves owe the same in times to come. Now, this morning, I want to pray for you. I want to pray that you get the revelation of this great thing that you're a part of, that you get a revelation of the hope that lives in you and the responsibility that goes with that hope. We love, we love it when, when, we, when, you know, when, when we're given new freedom, new hope. Today, the great blessing of God, which we see in the parable of the stewards, he says, well done, good and faithful servant, now I'm going to make you responsible for more. So the blessing of God comes in responsibility. So this morning I want to pray for you and I want to, I want to encourage you and open your eyes to a new responsibility. A new responsibility of being a platform for the generation to come. A new insight to open your eyes in your decision making to understand that to be the communion of saints is to understand that the next generation will be standing on this group of people's shoulders to see beyond, to see past the consumption of the world, past the lack of love in the world, past the, the impulses, the daily impulses of the world and see the hope that is in eternal life.
If that's you this morning, if you want to be stretched and encouraged and challenged, why don't you put your hand on your heart and let me pray with you this morning. Father, for every heart that has a hand on it this morning, I ask that you would stretch it, Lord. Lord, that you would expand the borders of this heart, that you would stretch the capacity, Father, that you would increase the visibility, Lord. Lord, our hope is in you, and we ask that you would, you would open our eyes to see the generation that is in front of us, the generation that we have followed, Lord. Lord, help us to honor what has gone before us, Lord, and prepare for who is coming after us, Lord. Lord, we pray for those evangelists that are coming in the decades in front of us, Lord. We pray for those healers, Lord. Lord, we pray for those business people, those politicians, Lord. We pray for those entertainers, those school teachers, Father. Lord, we pray for those lawyers and those police officers, Lord. Lord, we pray for the cooks and the cleaners, Lord. We pray for the hearts of those who are in front of us. And we ask that you would bless them, Lord. We ask that you would, you would help them to see in us your hope and your liberty. For every heart in this place, Lord, I ask that you would give the revelation of this responsibility to them this morning. Lord, we thank you for the privilege that we have to call ourselves sons and daughters of you, Lord. And we thank you that with that privilege comes that great responsibility. We receive it in the name of Jesus. We receive that hope. We receive that wisdom. And we receive that grace afresh this morning in the mighty name of Jesus. Here's the thing I want to leave you with this morning. More responsibility is an added burden. You know, I, as, I, as I gain more responsibility in this community, in this church and in our movement and in, in, in our nation, as I gain more responsibility, there is a burden attached to it. No, there's no, there's, there's no lie there. That's, that's, there comes a burden. But here's the beauty. When the burden comes from God, when he, he's, not only is his burden light, but it's attached to the great revelation. You, are, you, are, you know that the Spirit is leading you into all truth. You know that when you stand in, in His name, that the words that are required for that moment are going to come. You see, there's fresh hope attached to fresh revelation, and it requires us to step into a new place of responsibility. Some of you are waiting for God to, to, to heal you in this space, and He's saying, why don't you join me first? Why don't you join me on mission and I will fill you with everything that you need. I will give you everything that you need. Why don't you stand in the waters of the Jordan like the children of Israel and then watch them part? They didn't part first before they stepped in. They stepped in, then the waters parted. And the Lord is asking you this morning, He's saying, will you step in? Will you take on the responsibility? Will you make decisions based on the next generation as well? Will you give consideration to those who have gone before you? Father, we glorify your name. We lift it up. And we thank you, Father, that our hope is in you, that our trust is in you, Father. And we thank you that our strength is in you alone. In the mighty name of Jesus. Amen.